Hey, what's going on? This is David Avalon for another episode of Breaking the Guard with myself and my co-host Robert Drysdale. In today's episode, we talk about the curveballs that 2020 has thrown our way. And as a final joke, it decided to create Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather for a boxing matchup. I don't have to tell you how ridiculous this is, or perhaps I should. Logan Paul is a YouTube star with a boxing record of 0-1. Whereas Floyd Mayweather Mayweather is a boxing legend, 50-0, unblemished. And they're both very different sizes. I think Logan's 6'2", like 200 pounds. So it's a total freak show. And me and Robert pondered the question, what does this say for the state of boxing and in general for mixed martial arts are we much different and uh you'll hear our answers as you listen to the podcast we also jump around and talk about different things like uh there was a 14 year old kid that was a green belt that ended up tapping out three black belts in a tournament and then going to the open division and winning the open division beating a brown belt and a black belt so very impressive and uh, we talk about how the future is going to be very scary for us older guys. <laughs> so go ahead and enjoy the show. Before we get started, I'd like to mention one of our sponsors, which is FFACoach.com. FFACoach.com is my membership site where I post videos from myself and from my team uh, on our teaching curriculums that I teach at my academy, the Freestyle Fighting Academy, hence the FFA an FFA coach. But we also have an online shop there where I post all the courses that we that I've taught and others have taught as well, like my brother, uh, Robert Drysdale is in there, Jason Suarez. And uh, these also include the world-famous Kimura Trap System, uh, the Underhook Series, Black Belt Psychology, the Drysdale Cradle Series, and many more. And for the holidays, we're now up to 60% off so it's a massive discount. Go and visit ffacoach.com slash shop, and you can see all the different courses we have. Uh, some in DVD format, as we've been selling them out, uh, but everything's available online now, so you can get those as well. So go ahead, visit ffacoach.com slash shop, so you can learn more today. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm David Avalon here with my co-host Robert Drysdale for another edition of Breaking the Guard. It's been a while. We've had things going on. Robert's had a lot of things going on. Yes. So uh, yeah, I guess for the people who are asking, hands now without the cast, I also look like I have a short sleeve. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I just noticed that. <laughs> Says something about right, like yeah, what you would have looked like with no hair. Yeah, I know it's it's trippy because I remember uh, when the, the lady was coming, she said, "I'm sorry." I'm like, "Don't worry, it's gonna come back." You oh like, man! Yeah, when they took off the cast, it's like the first time me actually seeing it like this. Like, man, this is weird. Yeah, and like I always see myself as like darker brown, but now yeah. I look like I have yellow. Skin. Yeah, yeah, you're, 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 the hair makes you look darker than you are. Yeah, um, same with me, um, dude. What else is going on, man? So wrist is feeling better. Wrist feeling better. Maybe the training, what, a week, two, three? No idea. 
I have no idea. So I'm like two weeks, a little less than two weeks out from this. I say four weeks, I'm supposed to be 100%. So probably I'm, some physical therapy, right, in the next yeah, four weeks? Yeah, I'm, I'm lifting weights now, though. It hasn't really bothered. It feels pretty much the same as it did yeah. before. I'm hoping that improves. Otherwise, <laughs> I just yeah. threw a couple grand <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the main thing I wanted to get from this was range of motion. Like right now, like. See this yeah, like yeah. 10, 15 No, but dude, like you're you're like what what two weeks from surgery after? Yeah, ten, two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Probably another two, three before you gain range of motion. Yeah, I think. But hey, it could be worse. It could be hurting or what. So it's so. the right hand. I need to wrist lock next time. Okay, got it. Yeah, that's the one I go for. No, you know it's funny. I went. I think the last time yeah. I trained there, I went to roll with Marcelo. Yeah. And it completely destroyed me. Yeah, and he wrist locked me on this arm, and yeah. like a knee barred me on this leg. I'm like, son of. He, he knows. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'm giving him intel on where your injuries are. Maybe he's listening to all our podcasts and then he just like takes notes. I was like, Jesus Christ, man, that's a mercy. Oh man, um, dude, what what else, man? What's going on? Like, there's there. Um, I feel like the the fight scene is um, like I, I like literally right before uh, we started uh, recording out on my phone and I see that Logan Paul is fighting Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is happening to this world, man? It's all gone to shit. It's, I feel like I'm living in like, you know that movie Idiocracy? Yeah. I feel like that's where I'm like, that movie is like, it was like a peek into the future. Everyone was joking and it was supposed to be a comedy. Dude, that was, that was a documentary about the future. It's pretty wild, man. It's uh, gone to shit. It's fucking were, crazy. I saw a clip also apparently of Jake Paul or I don't know which one's fighting Jake or Logan. I, I can't know. tell. Man, like brothers, but yeah. One of them ended up pulling up to I guess where Dylan Dennis was. Oh, I saw that. He's throwing trash he at him. Throwing trash that at was him. funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was funny because whatever they're both. It's a prank. Each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought it was lame that he was calling him a pussy, and then he's peeling off of the car. It's true. The guy's chasing after you and it's like, by foot. It's like, uh, hello. It's true. I didn't notice <laughs> that. I was just laughing when I saw it. That's a good point. You don't get to call someone a pussy and then run away. <laughs> Not even run away. Drove away. Yeah, right? true. Like, it's it true. It wasn't even a foot race, you know? Yeah. But it was pretty funny. Like, chasing the car, too, just made it look worse, too. It would have yeah. been like, if he was the opposite direction, it probably wouldn't have been as funny. But the fact that he's chasing him, and of course he's not going to get to the car, like, you know, just made it so much worse. But I, it's, I don't know, man. Like, I think Dana made a comment, too, like the state of boxing yeah. today is that. And it's not just boxing, though. It's the UFC as well. It's just not as bad. They haven't gone to that point. Like, UFC, let's see him punk fighting there. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, so it's not like they're that different. Um, it's I think it's important to keep the hierarchy, man. Like you gotta earn your spot in, because you lose credibility. Yeah, you sell tickets, but you gotta think longevity. And this is why, like, I don't, I'm gonna get boring here. This is just my opinions. No one fucking agrees with me, which is fine. But I admire judo because they have that vision of longevity. That's why they keep the respect. They keep the the structure. They keep the hierarchy. They keep the order. They keep like certain things in place that perhaps sell less tickets. Hey, but they've been around for 140 years, man. The most organized martial art on the planet. Yeah, that's sad. And it's because I think that these these things have to do with how they the culture in the sport, right? I think that if UFC becomes too or boxing too pro wrestling oriented, I think they'll sell tickets initially, but they might they'll, they'll lose so much credibility that I don't know, like 20, 30 years from now, is he going to be around? The thing is, like a lot of these guys don't care because they're not thinking about the sport itself; they're thinking about immediate profits like how am i 
you know, I wonder if some of these guys are ahead of the, the martial arts and, and, and sports in general. If they're thinking about the longevity of the sport, it's, are we going to be around 50 years from now versus thinking um, what's best for me right now? You know, I, it's just, I don't know. Like, I love MMA. Like, I would hate for the UFC to lose credibility. Or I'm not that big of a boxing fan, so I care less. But I don't know. I think that's, it's, it's, a, it's a decision you have to make. I'm not saying my way is better. It's what I prefer. I would like to see people have to earn their spot like the hard way, not, you know, talk their way into doing shit. I agree with you, which is why I kind of like the PFL format where, yeah. you know, it's a tournament and then whoever wins the tournament now yeah. fights the reigning champ or becomes yeah. a champ, you know. So I think that's nice because, as you said, everything's earned. Nobody mm-hmm. was given a... You can't be like, oh, like, Brock Lesnar just jumped into the finals of the tournament, yeah. you know. It's like, no, like, you have to start from the bottom and work yeah. your way up. So... I think that's great. My only issue with the PFL is the whole season thing kind of slows things down a lot, you know? Yeah. Like, a, like I have a guy, Jason, who's got the, he's got the combination of the worst and best luck. He jumped into the PFL tournament. He was going to fight Lance Palmer, which we wanted that fight for him. But then COVID, COVID came, yeah, they had to cancel the whole and thing. And they had to cancel the whole season. I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding? So now it's like a whole another year he can't fight. You know, I yeah. know a bunch of the guys on PFL were pissed because I think Lance himself wanted to be released because he wants to keep fighting. Yeah, because he's he's a little bit older. I think he's like thirty four. What? He doesn't so have like, a whole. Yeah, yeah he, this he is think, an important year. Yeah, for him. yeah, yeah. These are the years that he needs to build. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but besides that, I do like the fact that the rankings mean something. You know, and the way they earn their rankings are always a winning tournament. Like the UFC has a ranking system, but it doesn't really matter. It, they don't, it's yeah. not respected. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, it's, it's just, just there. there. It's you just know there. what I mean? Like you, you can know, be number seven and still fight for the I title. I think the, the model, the, I mean, UFC had a great model. It was good. It was as real as it gets. I think Joe Silva came up with that one. And then ACA, the, the Chechen uh, organization, they have one that goes, more fight, less show. Hmm. And I like that, because that's, that's where my mind is. I'm like, I'm there for the fight, not for the show. If there are fireworks, I don't care. Yeah. Like if there's a you know like a band playing before or after like a, you know countdown like I I don't watch countdown. They're not interesting to me. But like it's the fight that I'm after, right? But you know I think as a martial artist myself, like from guys like me and you, it's easier to appreciate. We can just watch the footwork and the striking and go, oh fuck, that was a great fight. You know what I'm saying? We don't need. I guess people to understand fighting don't need the hype. But the average fan, they don't see the fight. All they see is the drama because it's an easier language yeah right understanding fighting is complex it takes a lifetime for you to be able to appreciate someone's footwork or head movement for example you know that's a lot and that's you know that's one small aspect of the fight game like add the the wrestling the hip tosses the the the, the leg trips the grab i mean there's so many layers to this and then but the drama is something that you're you know i think people innately understand that it's almost one of those things that i don't think there's a single person on the planet that doesn't understand the, 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 the novella aspect of things. Like, that's why pro rice was so successful because it appeals to everyone. That's why, like, guys like, you know, these, these shit talkers get to sell too many tickets because their audience is so much bigger than the audience of someone like Khabib, yeah. who is arguably pound for pound the best guy in history. Arguably, you can make that case. You know, MGSP, who else? You know, like, there's, he's up there, right? And, but like they, you know, it, it's it's never he's never going to be as appealing to the average fan as a guy like Connor. Yeah, just because they can't relate to. Because it, 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 it takes you, you have to have a trained eye to appreciate how good he is. Whereas a shit talking, 
anyone understands. It's a language that everyone speaks. In fact, even if you didn't understand English, if you just saw the people like at that press conference, the shit talking, I bet you some people that don't understand English could be entertained. Oh, just yeah. by watching the body language, the tone of voice, they're probably like, something's going on there. What's happening? Are they going to fight? Like, it, there's a buildup there that every person on the planet can relate to. Yeah, you can always understand, like, when something bad's going on just by the vibe. Like, you can see, oh, yeah. even, like, it's portrayed in alien movies also. You see, like, rrr, rrr, like yeah, yeah. oh, that's not good. <laughs> oh, horror movies know that. Like, they, they, there's, yeah. they, 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 they know how to build up a momentum to, to, to scare you or, yeah. you know, you know it's coming. You, you watch enough of, I mean, movies in general, you know they're building up for for something you know yeah, but i've been like in russia and i've heard people arguing i'm like i know there's something going on yeah <laughs> you can read the face oh yeah body language, and even just like you said the tones and you know that there's something going on and you're interested you're like, oh. <laughs> so like my, my a lot of my american friends when they hear me speak portuguese my brazilian friends like i've heard this multiple times like rob it sounds to me like you guys are always arguing <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys fighting? <laughs> it's like no, it's just we talk a lot of shit to each other, and it, it's it sounds real like we are insulting each other. We really because you can you you can tell yeah. that we're insulting each other, even if you don't understand the language. You know they're talking shit, but it's in a friendly way. Just but you don't do it with a smile. You do it with a serious face, which you know sometimes people think that it's you know they're not we're, that we're serious, but we're not. But um, yeah, I mean that's funny, man. Like, I think that. Body language says more than people realize. Tone of voice, facial expressions. I think that's a universal language everyone reads. It's much harder to lie that way because oh, yeah. people are, are acquainted with lying with words. Yeah. You know, so they can, they can say certain things. But the way your hands move, where the hands you away. are, yeah. you know, what your eyes are doing, what your face is doing. Yeah. You know, you can tell when someone is stressed, like where it's like like if you see someone really mad, their lips yeah. start to tremble yeah. and stuff. It's like it's universal, tell, you know. Un- yeah. Or you start looking away or not making eye contact. That's shame. That's you know. That's other things going on. People who put their hands like this, it's a guarded pose, yeah. you know. Like you, or you put your hands behind your back. Yeah. So like, there's subtle cues that you can read that it's really hard to defend against unless you're somebody yeah. who's like trained. And, and even there's an arms race going on there. There's um there's a social biologist named Robert Travers, and he. And um, I think it was one of his books that I that I he made a point that there's a correlation in nature between how deceitful a species is and brain size proportion to body weight, right? So the bigger the brain, the better you are at lying, right? <laughs> now guess who has pound for pound the biggest brain on the planet? Yeah, we do, of course. right? So the, 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 a lot of, I mean a lot of his research goes like it's about deception, right? That the theory goes one of the reasons why the human brain evolved and it's because we've gotten so good at bullshit in ourselves first and foremost. Like his, one of his favorite books, uh, one of my favorite books that he writes is called The Folly of Fools. I recommend that book to everyone because it talks about self-deception, how you're first going to lie to yourself, convince yourself. And I think it was Richard Feynman that said that um, easiest person to trick is yourself. Yeah. You lie to yourself first and then if you believe it, if you assimilate that lie, you can better lie to others, right? But like the idea goes, the brain is just one big bullshitting machine <laughs> and other people have to develop detection methods in order to you know to fare well against someone that's good at lying and there's an arms race going on right so um because ultimately you know we're just we're just looking for the same things any other animal is looking for economics right survival and you know replication someone from the opposite sex there's a, a, a cartoon I saw. I never forget this because it's just so instructive. It says it sums up like so much about sociology, anthropology, psychology, you name it. 
that goes, there's a little, you know, a little fish in the water and it's got little bubbles over its head. And it goes, it says, it's thinking, right? It goes, survive and replicate, okay? And then it's crawling out of the ocean and onto the land, so it's like evolving, right? Yeah. It's bubbles, and, the, and it's thinking, survive and replicate. And then it becomes like a little mammal, and it's thinking, right? The little bubbles, survive and replicate. And then you get an ape, and you go, it says, survive and replicate. And then you get a human, and it's sitting on a, and it's sitting on a rock, and it's, got its, it's leaning on its fist like this, and it's in deep thought, and the bubbles say, what is it all about? <laughs> right? Like, if we become like so sophisticated in our thought that I think we lost track of, you know, what we're really all about. And then it comes down to that. If you look at most of our behavior, that's exactly what it is about. Survival and replication. We're chasing, you know, members of the opposite sex all the time. We're dressing nice because of that. We want to buy a nice house because of that. We want to drive a nice car because of that. So a lot of the economics of what we do is about finding a mate that is of superior quality. I mean, women put up makeup, not all, it's because they want to look pretty. Oh, I just want to hang out with my friends in the nightclub. Bullshit. <laughs> you don't spend two hours in front of a mirror getting your nails done, getting your eyelashes done, all that just because you want to hang out with your friends and listen to music. Yeah. You're trying to get a high-ranking male. Who are you kidding? You know, but they kid themselves, right? Well, you do that because I think it's almost like it's, you have to, because I think the truth is too hard to swallow, it's too hard of a pill to swallow, so it's easier just to bullshit our way to ourselves so we can like, oh, no, no, I'm just really just having fun with my friends. Not you're chasing, you're chasing mate. There's just nothing wrong with it. That's nature. That's what we yeah, do. Yeah, of course. That's why we work so hard. Why, why else would you not, I mean, why, why, what is wrong with that? Well, of course you want a high-ranking person of the opposite sex. You know, your children have a better chance of survival. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, we've just, we've, essentially transcended the food pyramid which every other animal is struggling yeah. to climb up yeah, which is great yeah. by the way yeah yeah, yeah. You imagine running from tigers every yes. like if you had to come here yes we've gone a long way man <laughs> if you had to come here to do the podcast like oh christ <laughs> i know like <laughs> i probably there would probably not be a breaking the guard podcast yeah. if i had to run from tigers every time i came here dude if i had to walk here i wouldn't do it and I'm not that far. I'm like a probably like a 40 minute walk. Like it's not that bad, you know. Like I don't think I'm, <laughs> I've gone too lazy. But we're, so we don't have that survival thing anymore. It's now we've created like a social game yeah. that we have to play, and it's completely foreign. You know, like we yeah. have like tens of hundreds of thousands of evolution years of evolution where we were struggling with the physical world. Yeah, and that's pretty much gone now if you're living in you know modern society and now you're fighting this mental world where it's like politics and you know networking and that's why lying has become more important than ever now right yeah. because people have to try to deceive each other or deceive yeah. themselves so it's kind of crazy you know that's why like i think we talked about it before but we can find tribes that live much simpler lives and, oh, yeah. and, and very, they work less yeah they, they work less and they're very content yeah. they don't have internet or video games or you know cars and stuff, but they don't care about that type of but stuff it's, because it, they, they're, they've they're, never seen it yeah because they're more grounded in survival and replication it's yeah. a very simple it's a very we, our life has become so sophisticated I don't think we're happier I don't say I want to go live in the jungle I'm not suggesting that I would not want to live as a hunter and gatherer. I have a herniated disc on my lower back. I cannot walk long distances. I have zero desire to chase a gazelle down the African savanna to feed my children. Like I'm happy with the life. But I think in, in overall, I think that those societies there was there was far less anxiety and depression. 
social pressure, suicide would have been something very uncommon, I imagine. You know, I think it's the suicide. I think, what, what was I, was it that social dilemma documentary? Like the, 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 the rate of like teens and preteens committing oh, yeah. suicide is through the roof. Like it's, it's, it's doubled in the last like 10, 20 years or whatever the number is. And that's a, that's a real pandemic, man. That to me is even more alarming. I'm not, I'm not saying the coronavirus is not a serious issue. I think like sometimes you say stuff, it gives that impression. I think it's a serious issue, but I think there are worse things going on and they're just flying under the radar. Yeah. Like the fact that a preteen, like some of these kids come in suicide because they get made fun of at school. I'm like, holy shit, man. I got made fun of more than anyone else you know. I got a massive head. I got a hole in my chest. I grew up in Brazil. Brazilians are brutal when it comes to like making fun of you. Like there's zero political correctness. If you call your mom, that's like the most embarrassing thing in the world, man. Like, you know, I never it never occurred to me to commit suicide. Yeah. But I, I don't I think that it's it's there's something else going on here. Something that's changing. Like, fuck, I don't I'm not that old man, but something has changed in the last twenty years. I think people like when I was, you know, a kid as well. I got bullied all the time because I was yeah. very shy, overweight. I remember every school year I would get into a fight, yeah. and pretty much that first fight set the tone for the rest of the year. Yeah, because usually somebody would it determines your rank. Yeah, yeah, your rankings. And for since I was a bigger kid, I, yeah. I ended up winning every fight. So yeah. after that fight, nobody else like would fight me, but they would still like oh you know little pot shots here yeah. and there, and I was They're a loner, you, you know. Yeah. But like I never thought to myself, oh you know, kill myself or do something like that. It was. I don't think I even had that awareness that was an option. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. No, it's true. It was like, right. you never thought there was an option. Like, yeah, you could be like sad or whatnot, but it's not like, oh, I better kill myself now. You know, like that wasn't something. I think people know so much more now because of the internet and all it's that. It's easier too. And you watch movies yeah. and TV and stuff. And it, all this stuff is out there. Like kids now, they know like, all about the crazy stuff people are doing during sex and stuff. And a lot of it's just from pornography, which yeah. is not really realistic. You're not going to. No. <laughs> no, that's not. It's not that easy, man. When I watch porn, how easy they pick up, like, like the pizza guy walks in and the girls in the bikini. Hey, you want to massage me? Like that never happens, guys. Like it's so unrealistic. But it, it raises the expectations. Well, the problem with porn is that it creates an expectation about sex. It's not fucking real. Like, like very few guys have dicks that are that big to begin with. You know, like <laughs> women or yeah, they, they probably they're not that good and most women are not that good in bed but like it just raises everyone's expectation it's not just pornography it's not just sex like yeah, everything, everything. Yeah. the expect everyone's gonna live in a mansion in Hawaii everyone's gonna have a yacht everyone's gonna have you know the most beautiful wife and the most beautiful husband and the expectations are so high like my grandpa you know people from that generation their expectation was to get by like you know not die too young and make sure your kids were healthy and fed and going to school and that was good enough yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the thing with the internet. You, you know, it, we see the the best possible outcomes, yeah. and it's magnified. Yeah, you know, so it's hard. Like you know, when we were kids, you compared yourself to whoever the neighborhood yeah. stud was. You know, like yeah. that's that's an achievable goal. More or less, yeah. like, you know, I can be as good as this guy, or at least second. You know, yeah. But when you see, you have all these people. That, <laughs> you can see there's like. 12-year-old kids who are millionaires from selling something or YouTube. I, it's like, it's crazy, like, man. 40-year-old guy, like, Jesus Christ. No, and my grandpa, loser. like, you know, he died. He was not rich when he died. He, he was one in the cor- work in the cornfield when he was eight years old, and he wasn't rich when he died. Yeah. And these little shits, they're little sh- They're useless, man. I'm just watching these people like, who looks? And then I look at how many followers they have, and I'm like, who the fuck are the people? I Look, I, when, when these guys do crazy stuff like that to make money, 
it's not me. I wouldn't teach it. I don't like it. But there's a logic there. There's a logic behind what they do because there is a reward, yeah. right? You get rewarded for acting like an idiot, Takeshi69, whatever. Like, holy shit, man. Like, who the fuck looks up to that guy? But apparently a lot of people, right? And it works. Uh, but it's just one of those things where, you know, I wonder if they actually admire it or if it's one of those. I think it was like talking to like Keenan the other day. He said something. It's like a car crash, Rob. They don't admire it, but everyone stops to look. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe that's what it is. It's not admiration. It is, holy shit, this is insane. This is embarrassing. This is crazy. But I'll watch it for 30 seconds. But that raises their profile, right? So it gives people the impression these people are actually more influential than they actually are, which is a good point. Like, I don't think that many people admire Takeshi 69, right? Or, you know, some of these, what, the Logan Pauls of the world, right? They're equally useless. But it's... It's, it's so obnoxious, it's so out of the norms, it's so devoid of any value that everyone stops to look at, like a car accident. And then that boosts their profile, so it gives sponsors, it gives people the, profession, the perception that they're actually more influential than they actually are. Yeah. Could I mean, be wrong. I just, it just could be. Uh, I, I'm sure there's... A segment that actually idolizes them, which is to me the more troubling segment. That's okay. I'm being optimistic, man. You're, 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 but you're, you're, you're touching on like the, the pessimistic side of things. That there are actually people out there that think that Paris Hilton is awesome. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, who the fuck are these people? Maybe I know them. I don't know who they are. Maybe they're my friends, and they just don't say anything because they hear me talking shit about them all the time, right? Whatever. But um, I don't know. It's just, I, I'm just thinking about the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather thing again. Um, it is kind of funny that he, he called out Conor McGregor, though, that there's something about that, though, because that's how Conor made his, you know, we are talking about that before the podcast, like, yeah. he got on the fast track to title fight, not because, talented, Conor is very, is a very good fighter, don't get me wrong, but had he not talked as much shit as he did, there's no way he would have made it up there as quickly as he did, yeah. challenging people, calling them out, and, like, you know, tra- trash-talking Jose Aldo, definitely put him on the fast track. So I think it's very ironic that like the Logan Jake, what the fuck we're talking about here, is 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 challenging him because it's exactly what he did to people. And I I wonder how much of a it'll be interesting to see how big of a pool that Mayweather fight is. Because essentially you're banking on Mayweather fans and Logan Paul fans or Jake Paul, whoever it was, watching the fight. I don't know. Are they the and same person? Like, and, to me, they're the same person. Yeah, like the Paul. Whatever, like 60 or $70 for that fight. Yeah. It seems preposterous. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, I don't know. It, it, it blows my mind that that's an appeal. You know, like you said, it's... But you know bizarre. what? It, it doesn't matter because if you ask, like, you know, the average American who will buy that fight, they don't understand fighting. They've never... It, it, to them, it's just drama. They're just yeah. watching. It's like it's Go like it's a car point. accident, yeah. man. Like you're just watching something terrible <laughs> happening, but like you're watching because you can't stop yourself from watching. But I, I I don't know, man. Like I, I it's the there's a there's a two different um, views on martial arts, right? There's what judo does, and then there is show business. Yeah, and I think I don't know if you got to the, that part of my book. It's towards the end, but like we need to give some thought if it's possible to have the best of both worlds. Reward athletes and have you know, have them being rewarded because it's a lot of work, man. Like when I see other professional athletes working, and I've seen I've been around them. I've done conditioning with like football players and 
you know, and, and it's hard in their own way, but like, I, I, may, I know I'm biased, but I think fighting is harder physically. I think other than like, like triathletes it's, are up there, gymnasts, you know, like wrestlers, of course, you know, but like, it's one of the hardest sports. You have to rank fighting top five hardest sports physically, I imagine. You know, I mean, I, I think it's definitely up there. I, I think what makes fighting so difficult, it's not besides the physicality of it, which obviously there's yeah. a big element to that because it's the one sport where you're yeah. being rewarded for damaging your opponent. That's how you win the fight. Yeah. You know, f- football, you definitely take damage. And, you know, there's other sports like apparently cheerleading, a lot of people get yeah. hurt. But. The aim is not to, to damage, right? It just happens because it's yeah. the so element the of Damage both ways, from what yeah. people do to you and what you do to yourself. Exactly. <laughs> so in MMA, there's a lot of that. But also, yeah. is the technical skill Yes. is so high. So high. I think it's higher than any other activity I agree. you can do. I agree. Because there's so much variability. Mm. You know, like, you're, you could literally, oh, well, no. You could almost do anything you want with yeah. your body. That yeah, might win the fight. You know, you want to do a cartwheel, you do a cartwheel. It might not work, but you could do it. So, like your range—I mean, your range of possibilities range of is possibilities infinite. It's almost infinite. And, yeah. and I was watching last night. I started watching that Queen's Gambit. Have you seen it? No, it came highly recommended. When people keep recommending the same thing, I end up yeah. watching it. They're normally right. If everyone's saying it's good, like it normally is, except for Tiger King. That was <laughs> that was like fast food, you know, sort of thing. It's disgusting, but it's delicious, and you can't stop. But it's <laughs> disgusting, and you know it. But like uh, the Queen's Gambit is pretty well done. And but I'm almost, I keep thinking of my chess analogy, right? Which I make like I think fighting is far more complex than chess, and people yeah. kind of look at you like chess is supposed to be because chess is two dimensional. At the end of the day, it is a board. Yeah. And it's got 16 pieces, and every six, one of those 16 pieces has one move. When you think about that, compare that to the human body and add the three-dimensional level. And then you add the emotional stress, Yeah, which is not the same. I mean, it's, I'm sure that if you're going to, like, if you're going to, you know, play chess with Kasparov, you're probably going to be nervous. Or, like, what that computer that beat it, beat it uh, Deep Blue. Yeah. It's, like, best chase play in the world now is a computer, right? Which is great. But, um... You know, it's it's not as stressful as getting into a cage, no, you know, and then yeah. and then you get and then you know, like you said, technically, man, it's just layer after layer after layer. Like you could do a cartwheel; it could potentially work. It's not illegal, is my point. You see, like it, the, right. the the the, the it's, it's a very only move, it, it, there know, are many more way. rules yeah. in chess and fighting. It's pretty. I mean, eye gouging. Shots to the, uh, the nuts, what else? Biting. Yeah. And then you can't ask your friends to help you, even though sometimes that happens. But you're not supposed to. <laughs> but like that's that's about it. There are not a lot of limits on what we can do. And it's it is very, very primal in that sense, but it's very it's a very open field of possibilities. And I can't think of any sport that comes close to it in that regard. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it the most challenging. Not the physicality is certainly a part of it, but the the yes. wide range of techniques yeah. makes it that there's yeah. every player has a unique style. Yeah. Right. And it's going to be inherent on, and the other variability is everybody's body is different. Yeah. Right? Like chess, we yes. the same pieces. Yes. You know, That's so another we, one. So it, chess is fair in the sense that, you know, we were both working with the same starting material, besides yeah. being white or black or whatever, but in fighting, it's not. It's, yeah. you know, you got a guy like John Jones, you're going to have a hard time. <laughs> And, no, hundred percent. It's and you have you have certain anatomies that are very yeah. specific to certain sports. Like Michael Phelps is blessed oh, yeah, exactly. for a swimmer. Like if you're really tall, you're never gonna be a good gymnast. If you're really short, you're never gonna play in the NBA, right? Like if you're six four in the NBA, you're like 
I mean, I think that like, like the shortest guys are like six four, six five, right? Like oh, right. in the NBA, it's like it's it's, it's 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 almost and it's super hard to get make it in. It's, it's it's you have like certain things about your anatomy that are very specific to certain sports, and not just on in the exterior, but on the, on the inside too. Red blood cells, the size of your heart, testosterone levels, like muscle density, like kind of muscle fibers you have. These things all impact your performance. Harder to measure than what's on the outside, but that's that's huge. And in chess, like it doesn't matter what kind of muscle fibers you have, right? Like you know, like it doesn't impact the game in right. any way. So it's purely based on your your mental abilities. Yes, your, it's a purely your, your intellectual. Logic, you know, and intellectual. I think to some degree, it's emotional. I mean, oh, but there's, it's there's not, always yeah. emotions involved in it because yeah. you're human. And you yes, don't lose. and there's a lot of pressure. And, and there's right? reasons you want to win. There's ego. A hundred percent. I think uh, I was. I remember reading uh, about one of these chess players that essentially played like a certain type of mind game on his opponent by like, I think they would, he would move his, you know, hand around. He, I forgot there was something that he was doing that was throwing the guy off, you know, and he kept doing it and doing it and doing it mm -hmm. to get in his head and distract him, you know, yeah. so like, there's always a gamesmanship, just like Conor yeah. has that gamesmanship, which obviously I guess the other fight, it worked, it worked really well. With you know? Khabib, it worked in a sense where people was bothering it in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it did work. It just, he did a good job of not letting it interfere with his performance. Right. You know? So it, it definitely does work. People don't realize that type of pressure. Yes, it does. You can mess with someone's head. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, one more, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, finish your point. Yeah. Well, I was going to go like one more, I just thought, because I, I, I just came back from Yosemite, right? And uh, I had seen that documentary, Free Solo, because which you haven't seen, you should. It's great. Is that Alex Honnold? Yes, and he uh, climbs the whole thing without a rope. And then, I didn't know this. It's not, they have many different ways you can climb El Captain, right? So I just learned this when I was there because I started talking to one of the rock climbers, right? And he's explained, no, the one he climbed was over there. This one right here is the Dawn Wall. So there's another wall called the Dawn Wall. That one, no one had ever climbed before, with or without a rope. Because mm. that one is like, like, David, I saw the wall. I was there. It's like this. There's nothing to hold on to, right? And there's this one guy. Shit, what's his name? Tommy? Tommy something, right? And he loot listen, this guy it's it's the document is called The Dawn Wall. It's on Netflix. You're gonna watch it, bro. Like we're not doing another show unless you watch it. Okay. I'm telling you, you have to. it's even better than Free Solo. This guy loses a thumb. Oh, Jesus Christ. And an accident, like doing like some whatever, like, you know, work at home and, and lost a thumb, whatever. He gets better at it somehow. Like he learned how to use his other, you know, his index finger to to hold the little nub. That was his thumb, and somehow it made him stronger. He made it work in his favor, right? And one day, he's thinking he went through a tough breakup or something like that. He was just in that shitty place, you know, a dark place in life, and he just looked at El Cap, and he's like, I'm going to climb the Dawn Wall. And then he starts studying the wall. He spent like five years studying the wall. Like every time he'd find a little something that could potentially hold his weight, he'd take notes and five years studying that fucking wall, Dave. And then he got on to, he met this other guy that was about as crazy as him, and they said, we're going to climb it. And they climbed. It's it's surreal. Like, how on earth? It made me admire. I, I, I would never do it for a variety of reasons. I'm kind of scared of heights. I'm too heavy. Don't have the energy. But, but like, I, I, I admire the sport. I, I can admire it because it's it's so symbolic, a mountain, right? Like, yeah. and, and they, I can't wish I could remember the quotes. But when they're talking about the wall, I could relate so much to it. Because what El Cap was for him for Tommy, it wasn't so much, I think, the wall itself. I think he was so heartbroken. He was such in a difficult place in his life. Like, he needed something 
to um, to keep his mind busy, right? So what the El Cap was symbolically to me, like or climbing the Dong Wall, was it wasn't so much the fact that he climbed the wall, but the fact that he found something to give his life meaning. Yeah, I think that's the real finding, and it was like it, it kind of resonates with my own experience with life because once again, the metal is great, but it goes away pretty quick. I think it's the real treasure is the the fact that you found something that you're absolutely crazy about. And you're willing to dedicate your life to pursue that. That's the treasure. That's why I always tell my students the hard work is the reward, right? Because the real reward is the fact that you fell in love with something. And I think it's almost one of those things that once you get to the top of it, which they do, um, it's like, oh, shit. That's when you lose it because you celebrate and you're happy. Yeah. But now what? you got to find something else. You're going to do it again. It's not the same thing. You've done it. Yeah. So now, and when you have, and that guy has raised the bar so high for himself as far as climbing goes, he's climbed the most difficult wall in the world. Like, where do you go from there? It's a difficult transition. It's, it's a difficult, and that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. So, you know, uh, I think that it's almost one of those things where you, it's almost like you're better off not climbing and just staying in a mindset of like, I got to do it, I got to do it, because it's a better place to be than actually having accomplished it. Well, that's the thing. You have to figure out what's next for you, right? And like, what is your purpose of in life? What are yeah, you yeah. trying to achieve? You know, so for someone like him, I, I don't know his aspirations or whatnot. But if he climbs to the top and he and he essentially done something that nobody else will, as hypothetically say, nobody else will ever be able to yeah. do it, and there's nothing better to climb. Yeah. So essentially, he's done with the sport of climbing, yeah. right? So for me, the next progression would be, well, I better either get into something entirely different that's going to challenge me in new and unique ways or perhaps coach people on how to be able to do this. Because yeah. it's one thing for me to be able to do it, but if I can get someone else to do it, following my method, it says that I'm not a fluke or it's not just something because I'm a gifted. It's a combination of technique and skill that's transferable. You know, So yeah. that would be one way to challenge it, you know? But there's always something you can turn into, but it's, it's just not the same thing. Yeah. Right? You know, like as a competitor, we have a lifespan. You, you can only go so far before at a certain point, like, that's it. Yeah. You, you won't be able to compete anymore. You know, not at least to the level that you're used to. Yeah. So do you just stop doing everything and jump off a bridge and then <laughs> the suicide option because there's nothing more to achieve? No. Because like, now we know about it. Now we know about it. <laughs> Oh, we have that option. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, like you, you channel in other ways. Yeah. You know, you write about it. We, you know, we do podcasts. You know, you coach. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So I think that's. Uh, but that's like asking the guy Tommy to like climb like a really small rock. It's just not the same. You know, it's like I'm. I'm sure he still gets a kick out of climbing anything. Don't get me wrong. But once you climb the Dawn Wall, like where the fuck do you go from there, man? Yeah, that and that's why I think that that's the transition, right? Yeah, like you have to learn that. We're always changing. You know, people who, who stay static are dead. They're buried yeah. six feet under, right? Those are the yeah. people who never change. So you don't want to be that guy. You yeah, got to be yeah. able to adapt and move around and, and do things differently. And I think some people have a hard time letting go of that. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you know, God bless someone like Mike Tyson that he's still fighting. But I mean, at the same point, it's kind of sad in a sense. It's like, you're, you're trying to hold on to like former glory you know like your life it's should... beautiful and it's sad at the same yeah. time you know it's right. a combination Holyfield not Holyfield uh, Roy Jones, Roy Jones yeah. see she just started following me on Instagram 
<laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I was like, hey, okay, cool, man. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's amazing yeah. that they were able to do it. And I didn't watch it, but I heard it was actually. A, I didn't decent, watch it either. I heard it was, it was a decent fight. fight, you know. Uh, but at the same time, like, I don't want to see either one of those guys get hurt. You know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, the chances increase yeah. <laughs> dramatically at that age, you know. So it, I would prefer to see them doing other things. That, yeah. Like, but then again, I understand. There's something nostalgic about them fighting. There's yeah. something. There's something about like. I don't know, man. If I, if I, if you, if you ask me this, Rob, if you had, if you could choose how you're gonna die, right? And you can choose, like, how would you? I mean, it sounds dramatic, but I, I think I want to go out fighting. I guess I'll be rolling him, like, I choke. I, I don't know. Like, I'm being dramatic, but like, I think there's something romantic about the fact that he's still in love with what that, and and he enjoys the process of being in in combat and being in a struggle. There's something very. It's beautiful in the sense that, you know, that, that, that I, I believe that, that fighting is one of the most beautiful things you can do. I know it gets a bad rep, but to me, those people are very ignorant. I think fighting, I think that the human mind is one of nature's greatest representations. Like there's, it's, I can't think of anything that nature has created that we know of that is as complex and as beautiful as a human mind. But I think fighting might be the mind's best expression. Like, and when I talk about fighting, I'm not just talking about martial arts. Everything that is good has come from conflict, and I'm not talking about armed conflict. I'm not talking. I'm not a. I'm a. I'm a pacifist. I'm quasi always pacifist. I, in general, I don't like violence, but when I say conflict, I mean competition. I'm trying to be you. You be me. That's how we get better. Like yeah. apples and competition with Samsung. What happens? Better phones, yeah. right? Like you know, we were in competition with the Soviet Union. What happened? Fuck, man. We went to the moon. We did land on the moon. <laughs> Stop it, please. Please, for the flat earthers and you fucking crazy conspiracy theorists. You guys get too. Like, I got a friend of mine trying to convince me that China's about to invade us through Canadian border. Like, fuck, man, it's getting crazy, bro. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that shit, I, forgot, I get like, conspiracy theories like lately has been like my peeve. I've been actually like militant against them. Um, but I was making a good point there, Dave. What was it? Remind me. You, you, you lost me a little bit. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. Theory, theory, I'm trying to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, thinking, okay. I'm thinking China going to Canada. I know, no, no, I know. No, no. And then there's more, man. It's just like I, every day, every day there's something new. And it's like everything they read is the truth. And if they like it, it's the truth. I like it. It's, you know, it goes along with my ideology, so it must be true. And like my recommendation is like, man, you got to pick up that book of that guy that you hate. That's the guy you got to read. You gotta read like you you know you gotta read the mind camps man like you gotta read Karl Marx like you hate him okay great read him because that's the only thing that's gonna get you to snap out of fanaticism is when you see the other side and it might be t even worse than what you thought but you're not gonna know until you actually do the work yeah. otherwise you're just repeating what you read on the internet or Wikipedia or whatever news channel you watch and there's there's nothing that there, there's nothing productive that comes from just being locked into an echo chamber no and that's the current problem that we have with all this censorship and whatnot that's going on and, and who's the, the who's to decide like yeah. that's it's it's gotten crazy but at the same time there's a lot of lying going on dave like yeah. a lot of these guys I'm, look i'm not i don't offend censorship i think that if people want to lie they should be able to sure. but the problem is is most people because our educational system has gone to shit they are not, I hate to sound because I sound so arrogant when I say this, and I'm not saying I'm not, I'm immune to this. I'm as vulnerable to this as any other human. But I think at some point we all have to acknowledge that 
like skepticism is a good thing. Like we need to be more skeptical. Sure. We have to question things and we have to challenge ourselves. And you have to look at the other side, what the other side has to say. You have to, it's the only way because otherwise, you know, it, the division we're witnessing in the country, I think a lot of it has to do with the echo chambers, which has been reinforced by social media and the, the overconfidence in like my side is right without ever giving thought that maybe there's some holes in this discourse, right? Or maybe the other side has a point. I'll give you an example. And this, is, this has come up recently in conversation, right? The whole, the term socialism, right? It gets thrown around so much. And I've come to the conclusion that the two sides, when they're using that word, they're not even talking about the same thing. They're fiercely arguing about something that they don't even agree on. They don't agree on what they're talking about. Because yeah. when, like, when like Bernie Sanders, like, which is a huge tactical mistake, is using the word social. I, I don't know. I have no idea till this day why he would even use that word in his discourse. Because it was such a tactical error, in my opinion. And I'm no political expert, but like, why would you even, in the United States, out of all countries, why would you want to resurrect that shit, right? But he's using the word. But really what he's talking about is social democracy or mixed economies or, you know, the Keynesian model economic, which is something that has worked in the U.S. in the past. It's a, basically, he's a new dealer, largely speaking, loosely speaking. When conservatives hear the word socialism, they're thinking Marxism, Leninism, which is something that no one wants. But that's what they're hearing. And they're fiercely arguing about something, but they don't agree on what they're arguing about. There's no agreement because there's no communication. So you get one crowd going, socialism, when they're really saying, like, New Deal. They should be using just the new New Deal. That, that would be a better way of putting it. And then you get the other guys who think that, you know, we're about to turn into the Soviet Union. And they're convinced that we're like two steps away from becoming a new Soviet Union. I'm like, that is an insult to the victims of Stalinism. Like, you should do some reading what the Stalinist purges were like. Read what the Cultural Revolution was in China. It's like, I, I finished reading a good book on this. It's called The Rebellions and Revolutions by Jack Ray. It's great, like, it's compendium of, like, it's a, it's a summary of, like, Jap uh, Chinese history. But it does touch, you know, in some depth, the, the, the Cultural Revolution. There's none of that going on in the United States, man. It's like, that was like a whole new level. But it has been, it has been construed in a way, the discourse that it has convinced a large part, segment of the population to believe that we're one step away from a communist revolution in the United States. Dude, I've been to universities, Dave. There are no Marxists. I'm sure you'll find one. I, I've never met one. And then I said, I mean, it was two years ago, I never met a Marxist. Like, this whole thing has got blown so out of proportion. I'm sure you will, like I said, you will find one, but it's not like they've taken over universities. I was talking to Danielle Bolelli about this the other day, and he's a university professor. He's the same thing. He's going, no, Rob, it's really not that bad. Like, it's, it's exact. I mean, you'll find one every now and then, but they're just mostly, like, 22 years old. Their parents are paying for their college. Right. You know, they read the Communist Manifesto. They got excited. They want to be part of the revolution, but <laughs> they're not a lot of people, and they're not powerful. They're, they make a lot of noise. They may be breaking shit up. I disagree with vandalism on every... They think it's a horrible... There's nothing good is going to come from vandalism. I don't know what they're thinking, but they're not powerful. They're like hillbillies and fucking God knows where, you know, talking about white supremacy and, a, you know, pure race, KKK. Right. You're annoying. You're an idiot. You're loud, but you're not powerful. Yeah. Like the KKK is not powerful. Everyone's freaking out. Oh, look at those. They're, they're powerless. Let's be frank. They're just noisy, loud, obnoxious, and stupid. You know, it's the same with a lot of these, this radicalism that we're seeing on the, the American left. It's like the whole politically correct crowd. Like, I don't like them for a second. I think they're, they're more harmed to the left than 
I mean, fuck, man. It's hard to think of a comparison. Like, how much harm these guys have done to the left because they're so unreasonable. You can't even... They're fanatics. And you can't reason with fanatics. That's the one lesson I've learned about politics in the last few years in this country. No, that's kind of like debating religion. You can't. <laughs> you you can't. can't even... Don't even bother. There's, there's, like you said... Uh, you can't have an argument if you can't agree on a premise, right? You, it, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's but that's that was exactly my point. Like yeah. first thing, I was watching. I, who did I send this? I sent this to someone the other day. It was a debate between Yanis um, Varoufakis, who's like the, the finance, uh, the, the the minister of finance in, in Greece during the meltdown, right? He's a very bright, very reasonable guy, and John Bolton. And they're talking about world stability. It's a great debate. Uh, it's on YouTube. Everyone should watch it. And uh, they spent the first like 30 minutes talking like completely different points. Like the moderator never thought it, you know, and at some point he, he brought that up. He goes like, yeah, well, you guys are have very, very different perspectives here. It's because they're not stability to them. They didn't agree what stability was. Yeah. So these guys are talking about apples and oranges. And this goes on for the first 30, 40 minutes. And then they kind of start finding some common ground where they agreed and disagreed, right? And that was that's the, what a debate is. Yeah. We find out what we agree and don't disagree on, and we spend a little more time talking about the disagreements, hoping trying to, hoping that trying to convince the other person or other people listening to change their minds. Of the first thirty minutes, they're talking about <laughs> nothing even remotely related because they don't agree on the premise. Yeah, so that's a it's a non-starter. <laughs> it's a it's a lot of wasted time there. Yeah. But, I think we'll finish off with one last thing that I brought up, uh, which was uh, I saw there was a tournament where there was a 14-year-old green belt. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, yeah, that tapped out three black belts in a row to win the tournament. Fuck, man, I jumped in that open division. Then he beat a brown belt and then beat another black belt. Yeah, and the absolute. And I read that thing. I'm like, man. Something's going on here. Like I gotta watch this video. Yeah. And the kid's built like a stud. Like yeah. for a fourteen-year-old kid, he's he's pretty jacked yeah, up. Yeah. But he was legit. Like he had good skills. Like particularly the first guy he was going against had him in some trouble in a rubber guard or whatnot. He was playing. He, he looked like he was good. You know, he yeah. played the part. But then he tried to go into a leg lock game, and uh, I could have told you that would have been a mistake. Young guy, leg locks. They're never gonna tap. The yeah. legs are going all over the place, and he got reversed. He got an inverted heel hook countered by the fourteen-year-old kid, and then he, the <laughs> other two guys he smoked. He got one in a, in a triangle choke really fast, and then the other one, oh no, it was an armbar. It was a weird armbar, and then another one he got in the triangle. And I was like, you know what? It's uh, what happens is well, first of all, when you're fourteen, you're very reckless, and so you can get into a fifty-fifty and go to war very confident because you've never had your ankle blown before. Yeah, like you get your ankles blown enough enough times, you're like, all right, I'm caught. Okay, you win, you know, because you know something happens, you become more uh, what's the word? Not cautious, but like you almost get deja vu of certain situations. Like wait a second, I've been injured here before, and then you hesitate. Right, because you recognize the situation, yeah. and that hesitation is deadly, man. Like it's the end of your game. Like when you're young, you don't have those traumas. Yeah. So you just go. You don't give a shit. You're, you know, you're almighty. Two, there's some really good green belts out there because we think green belts. We're thinking a little kid. Like for, man, some of these green belts been trained. They've been trained jujitsu for 12 years. Like you know, they're 17. You know, what well, they can't be 17, but like 15 they can be. So they might have been training for you know 11 years. That's a long time, man. Yeah. And sometimes they're in the gym, you know, every day or twice a day. And this one happened to be a mini giant too. You said, right? He's he's actually well, built like I, an adult. He, was, he must have been like a forty or, or 50, 150 pounder. Yeah. But stocky, like he yeah. he looked bigger than the 
the black belts he was going against. Like he looked yeah. better defined, and so I was like, "Damn, this kid's like he got a good puberty <laughs> jump." You know? Yeah. Uh, I always said like everybody's at different stages of puberty, like, especially when you're teenagers. Like some people get to like what I call superboy status, yeah. Or some people get to manhood like yeah. really early. I know, like I was yeah. superboy until I was like. 18. Yeah, it was me. I was, you yeah. know, I was late. And I, I felt it because I went against guys who were men, and the grip is an easy yeah. way of telling. I remember I, I, oh, yeah, that's the first day. You, you know how strong somebody is when they shake their hand, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know? I was wrestling this guy. It was at Ralph Favre. He's a three time yeah. state champion, a uh, really good wrestler. Yeah. And I lost to him 1 to 0 and 3 to 2. Close matches, but the time he beat me 1 0, we couldn't take each other down. Went to the second period, he escaped. Got up, he got at one point, then we stalemated on our feet. Third period, I started bottom, I couldn't get up. Mm -hmm. He just grabbed my wrists, and I couldn't break that guy's grip. It was like a gorilla, you know? I just, I felt because I was Superboy, and he was a grown man, and this strength was just overwhelming me. I remember, I'll say this a shame, but I, I tried to cheat my way to open the grip, couldn't. Yeah. You know, wrestlers, we do anything we can if possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally had my teeth. You there. can't, you can't. <laughs> I've seen guys like that. I was it, like, Jesus Christ. Like, it was like me. Like, guys like that make me angry at my mom and dad for not giving me better genetics. <laughs> it's like, why can't I be that strong, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm real strong, you know. It's like, this yeah. kid looks like he got the manhood thing early. <laughs> but uh, he said, I guess the coach said he was training for four years. Yeah. He was a four-year green belt. And, uh, man, he got a blue belt on the podium, yeah. which I guess technically you're not supposed to get, right? I think you have to be 16 yeah. on average. You have to get a blue belt. But, I mean, what do you say to a guy who just beat, tapped out three yeah. black belts and beat another one? Yeah. You know, and, and four different guys. It's, it's rough, man. Like, I remember yeah. at ADCC, there was a guy that didn't have, like, a one of his legs or two of his I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Remember, and he, he was like he was built like like bigger than everyone. He would have been like six six if he had legs. Yes, yeah. he was huge, but because he have legs, he was in the ninety nine kilo division. And like at some point, like it came up like oh they were messing with me, and like oh you got him first round. I, 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 I mean, give me anyone, like give me like I think the best the two best guys in the division were like Shunji and Brawley. I'm like give me Shunji and Brawley first match, but that guy because I it's just one of those things where, you know, like I as a combination of like I didn't want to win because I, I felt. I don't know. It's it's kind, it's kind of a rough one because you don't really want to lose either. And the guy was really good. <laughs> you're kind of stuck. Like you're going against a seven. My point is, maybe not the best analogy. I'm, I'm sorry if this sounds like a bad analogy, but like the green belt is a scary thing to go against oh, because for sure. you can't win. Oh, I, I if, know. The same if, thing. if you beat him up, you're like, whoa, why'd you go so rough on that kid? And then if you blink, you get tapped. Like and then it's like whoa, bro! You lost to a you know fourteen year old. You know it's like training with with some of these women. Like they're so good. Like dude, it's a shitty spot for a guy to be in. <laughs> it really is. Like you know, I I normally train with women and I train because I believe in equality so much. I, I I'm serious, man. Like I don't go like why why would you, I mean it's, look I don't hurt people. You know I, I mean if I do it's an accident, but like I don't get it too easy either. Like I might turn it down like a notch maybe, and that's like. And I'm violating my morals here. I feel like I'm going against my ideals because I believe in equality. Yeah. But I, I, I treat women on the mats exactly the same because like, I don't want to get tapped. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't happened since I was 16 when I first started training. But I, I'd hate to get tapped by, by, by anyone for that matter. But 
I don't know. I, I, I know it's, it's a shitty spot. It, yeah. I know wrestling, that was a thing too. I remember. I was fortunate because I wrestled once. I, I started at 189, yeah. 171, I finished off it. You don't find any girls in wrestling yeah. that way yeah. in high school. Although I remember there was a tournament that they were saying there was one, and Rob, I was nervous. Like, I'm gonna have to fight a big ass girl. I, I don't know. Yeah, you're nervous. I'm yeah. serious, man. Like, you don't want to lose. Yeah, and like, oh no, she's 160. Like, oh, thank God. Dude, when I when yeah, I when I, as a, especially when you're a kid, like yeah. 15, 16, you lose to a girl. Oh, yeah, dude, that's it, embarrassing. It's man. embarrassing. I'm sorry, guys, but it's embarrassing. Like there was a, I remember, I think it must have been like a 119 pounder. He's wrestling this girl. He's yeah. He's handling her, but then all of a sudden the girl does a reversal. And pins them with what's called a siren. Oh, dude! Which, which His not, life is over. <laughs> pins them with what's called they call it cyanide ride, which yeah. essentially is a great mind mouth. Yeah. So the mouth hips out, so yeah, you know yeah. it looks even worse because of the yeah. you know, whatever. And he gets pinned, and the father or the coach just berates his son right on the mat. Oh man, it's even I was worse. like, Jesus Christ! Like That's the so kid bad. already knows, right? Yeah. Like he he's already having a terrible yeah. time, and then like he, the kid ran out crying. I'm like. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I'm 170. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> no, 100%. You, you, you can't. It, it, it's just a shit spot to be in, man. Um, what was but, I going to say? I'll say, that, like, very impressive that that kid was able to do that. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be more of a thing. Like, like you said, because a lot of people don't realize, like, some of these kids, I mean, he started relatively late, at yeah. 10, you know. But, like, you're going to have guys starting at 4 and 5. So there will be a green belt, like, at 15, but really, he's the like black a belt. black belt. He's a black I mean? belt, yeah. Especially so now. he's the body of an adult too. Yeah, and he, especially if he's been trained the whole time. Yeah. Like, there's a certain advantage to doing the sport that you're in during you know your maturing period because yeah. your body is kind of gears up. Okay, yeah. this is what I, I do. Plus, your brain is ready to train. Yeah, you yeah. Become and, better at learning. Yeah, so like you got 10 years experience. You're young, and like you said, pretty much fearless because you don't know yeah. what an injury is yet. Like that's not an option yet. Yeah, um, dude, I just remind me like when I, when I trained with Gabby, she, Gabby Garcia, she came over to the gym once. I'm not gonna lie, man. There was a part of me that goes like, "All right, Rob, <laughs> a game on." You know, like, <laughs> about to get. Some, I, 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 I told this story before, but like my first jiu-jitsu session, I got tapped by a girl twice. I'll never forget that. I had a crush on her too. She was cute. <laughs> but um, you know, it just it, it went to show me how how much this sport actually works. Right, like oh, that's sure. that's a testament. The fact that a fourteen-year-old can beat up a grown man, I'm I'm convinced. Like a lot of like the alpha male types avoid jujitsu. Jujitsu, I think Brazilian jiu-jitsu like more than I mean, all martial arts really, but it tends to draw a lot of the nerds. I don't know if you noticed. It's a very nerdy community. These yeah. are the kids that like, tease in high school and they're like you know socially awkward. Like they, they it, it it doesn't draw a lot of the jocks. A lot of the jocks go to MMA. I think you know like the jujitsu crowd is a little more uh, nerdy, and I think. One thing why one is like the jock doesn't like to put in the jiu-jitsu class is because there's a good chance he's going to get tapped by the by the green belt, and yeah. it's too much of a blow to his ego For sure. to get tapped by a girl or you know a 14 year old. But I think that's the beauty of the art too is that that those things are possible. Not many sports is something like that possible, right? There's that much of a discrepancy, and I mean sports one are very athletically oriented. I mean, like you know you couldn't get that in running. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're not going to be a nerdy runner and with technique be able to run faster than... Than Hussein Bolt. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Like, no one can run faster than Hussein Bolt. But like, <laughs> like a grown runner. Yeah. Like it's, and, and in jiu-jitsu, you get the, the big alpha male dominant looking guy. You get his ass kicked by a third team. Dude, I've seen him more times than I can count. Yeah. It's, it's got to be the shock for some of these guys. 
Yeah, and I think that's just a, a testament to the technique and yes. the skill level involved, right? Absolutely. And which we were talking about at the beginning, why the sport's so difficult. Because, of course, if all things being equal, they're both the same skill set, then the, yeah, the guy with a stronger body is going to do better, yeah. you know. But usually things are not equal. And if you have somebody who's, and usually smaller guys tend to be much more technical because they need to be. Yeah. They don't have the strength or physicality to rely on. Yeah. Whereas you can get a big guy that could just squeeze you and not doing proper technique, yeah. but he could tap you that way. Yeah. So he could just squeeze. And he never has to prioritize being technical. Yeah. You know, he could just be big. But when you're like a Mikey Musumeci, like you, you need have the to. technique. But this is why I was talking to Henzo once, and, and, and I always agree, because no one ever agrees when I say this point. Like he said, like, man, I always say that. And he goes, Jiu-Jitsu is harder for a big guy. Yeah. And everyone thinks he's crazy because he, people think that jiu-jitsu is about winning. Jiu-jitsu is not about winning. Jiu-jitsu is about learning. Yeah. There's a difference. It is harder to learn jiu-jitsu when you're big and athletic. Yeah. It is easier to learn jiu-jitsu because you suffer more. Because yeah. people think suffering is bad. Suffering is what makes you great. You need it. The more you suffer, the more you, the higher you rise. Like, so someone who's small is in many ways privileged. That's how you get good is by getting your ass kicked. They don't realize it because it sucks. Yeah. So you're under the impression that everything is going bad for you. But if you're if you're if your goal is to feel good, you shouldn't be in the gym. You should be on Facebook. But <laughs> if you want, if your goal was to actually you know bring you know squeeze the, as much juice out of you can of your out of your youth and rise above and find out who you are and become a better version of yourself through suffering, that's the mat. There there is no better place than the mats. The Greeks understood this. Fighters understand this. I think a big chunk of the world doesn't get it you know and i really wish they did because this whole you know medal for participating bullshit's got to stop man like it's done so much harm to the world like you gotta you gotta let these kids suffer a little there's nothing wrong with that yeah i think that's a i sound like my grandpa i know but <laughs> hey, that's how i feel there. about it. i know man like my daughter's almost 10 it's like shit it's like you know 10 more years and you know god knows pregnant or something i'm a grandpa fuck <laughs> I'll be a good grandpa. Yeah, you would. All right, man. Dave, I got to get to class, brother. Yes, sir. But uh, this was fun. We kind of went all over the place. Um, yeah, let's do this again. Like, we've been a little inactive. Like, we've been both really busy. But uh, we'll, we'll make this happen. I'll try to get back at one, one a week. You know, yep, promise yeah. Promise we'll you guys. Nice. Thank you, everyone. And uh, I'll see you guys again next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know it's been a while since me and Rob got together. As we've spoken, you know, I had the hand surgery thing. Robert has been traveling all over the place. But uh, we'll, we'll try to get more consistent with our schedule. You guys have any comments, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff, send it our way. You can find us on social media at Breaking the Guard. Or you can visit our website, BreakingTheGuard.com, and you can contact us there. A final word from one of our sponsors, DrysdaleBJJOnline.com. DrysdaleBJJOnline.com is Robert's membership site where he offers a variety of courses that are like niche, bite-sized things that you can pick up in one day and start using right away. Very cleverly set up. I would highly recommend that you pick up his courses. As I've said many times before, one of the reasons I came to Vegas and I decided to make my home gym uh, Drysdale Jiu-Jitsu was because of the high quality of instruction that Robert provided. I was actually there to teach a seminar, but I jumped into a couple of his classes and I felt at home, not only because his gym has a great community, but the way he teaches is very 
detailed, it's systematic, very easy to understand. And he's a wizard on the mat. So it'd be silly not to take advantage of at least one of his courses. So go ahead, visit DrysdaleBJJOnline.com and pick up a course today.